0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasir Jenga and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The following recording is a khutbah that I gave here in my local community last Friday. So please take a listen. Hopefully it's a source of benefit and forward it to others. الحمد لله الحمد لله علي ذات عظيم الصفات يسمى السمات كبير الشأن جليل القدير الرفيع الذكر مطاع الامريج اللي البرهان فخيم الاسم غزيل العلم وسيل حلم كثير الغفران جميل الثناء جزيل العطايا مجيب الدعاء عميم الاحسان سريل حساب شديد العقاب اليم العذاب عزيز السلطان ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له في الخلق والامر ان محمدا عبده ورسوله المبعوث الى الاسود والاحمر المنعود بشرح الصدر ورفع الذكر. وصلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه الذين هم العرب العرباء وخير بعد الانبياء أما بعد الناس الله فان راس الطاعات واتق الله for inna taqwa milakul hasanat Wa alaykum bil sunnah Fa sunna sunnah tatahdi ila lita'ah Wa man atah Allah wa rasulahu Fa qad rashad wa ahtada Wa iyaakum wal bid'ah Fa inna al bid'ah tatahdi ila al ma'asiyah Wa man ya'asillaha wa rasulahu Fa qad wa alaykum bil ihsan Fa inna Allah yuhibul muhsinin Wa ad'uuhu fa inna hu mujibul da'in Wa astaghfiruhu yumdadakum bi amwalin wa banin أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ وَإِنَّكَ لَا عَلَى خُلُقٍ The study of the life of the Prophet is something that is a very essential component and part of our deen and our religion. It's something that has been described as being mandatory in order to be able to understand our religion, and in order to be able to live Islam fruitfully and properly. And this is something that the Qur'an explains to us. This is something that the Qur'an directs us to do. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, مَا آتاكم الرَّسُولُ فخذوه. Whatever the Messenger has given to you, whatever he has shared with you, then take it. وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فانته. God, Allah in the Qur'an says, whatever the Messenger tells you not to do, then stay away from it. Allah tells us in the Quran in Surah number 33, Surah Al-Ahzab, this very powerful, beautiful verse, this ayah, Allah tells us, لَقَدَ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ Without a doubt, completely contained within the Messenger of God, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi is the ultimate, the best, the most beautiful example, role model. And there, I don't want to get too technical here and get too bogged down within details. However, the word Allah uses here is very interesting. Allah says that fi Rasulillah. The word fi is li'idhali sheefishay. In the Arabic language, the way the Arabs would understand it, the the classical Arabs, they would understand that the word fi was used to put something inside of something else. So, when you ask someone where is Zayd, and they would say, Fil Masjid, that means Zayd is inside the masjid. Not outside, but inside the masjid. Not near the masjid, Hawla al Masjid, and there'd be a lot of different ways to say he's near the masjid, he's standing outside the masjid. But if you said Fil Masjid, he's in the masjid, that means he's inside the structure. So, here Allah is saying, Uswatul Hasana, the ultimate example, the most beautiful role model, is found contained within. Rasulullah And so th- what this tells us is that the study of the life of the Prophet is something very, very important. For us to be able to observe the Qur'anic guidance, the Qur'anic principles that are laid out for us, these universal timeless gems and pearls of wisdom. How can we practically apply them in everyday life? Well, the Prophet Sallam demonstrates them. And so, when we look at the life of the Prophet ﷺ, this is gonna seem a bit of a sidebar, but I'd like to share this just as a thought. I was thinking about this this morning. That a lot of the presentation about the life of the Prophet ﷺ, unfortunately due to a couple of factors, the primary amongst them is due to our desire for brevity. We are are obsessed with consolidating and summarizing everything today. Nobody's got enough time to read a book anymore. We just want the cliff notes. Nobody wants to sit down and actually go through a class. Somebody just wants a summarized you know, uh, a summarized presentation. No one's got time for the presentation. Everyone just wants to see the bullet points and notes. We, we're obsessed with just consolidating and summarizing everything. While on the flip side, entertainment continues to get longer and longer and longer. We don't seem to have a problem with entertainment taking up more of our time. But education, knowledge, understanding, we, we, we even argue as if we have some type of moral high ground. Why, why, well, why can't you make your point in two minutes? So this is a problem. And so because of this obsession with consolidating everything, the life of the Prophet A lot of times, the most people know about it is, a little book maybe they read, particularly folks maybe who are from overseas, there's the Islamiyat subject that you studied when you were a child, when you were in school, or even our children here today. I remember myself in Sunday school going through a small little book. And it basically summarizes the life of the Prophet And the picture that you get is that he was born, and he grew up, he got revelation, there were a couple of tough experiences there, there was ta'if and the boycott, and things like that. Then he moves to the city of Medina, And then there's a bunch of battles, and then he passes away. That's the life of the Prophet ﷺ. And the problem lies therein. We don't really understand, we're not really getting any practical guidance. And then somebody sits down, and then philosophically argues, well, how is this beneficial? Well, we didn't really study how the Prophet lived the Qur'an, did we? He just went through a cliff notes of what his life was. A rough outline. Here's the highlights. Whereas we watch the whole game, but when it comes to knowledge and education, we just want the highlights. So that becomes part of the problem. But when we delve into the life of the Prophet, you see how ma ilayhim. Allah in Surah number 16 tells us that the job, the responsibility, the job description of the Prophet was Wa anzalna ma ilayhim. That this Quran was sent to you, O Muhammad, so that you can show the people how to live what has been given to them. This Quran is a gift from God. But how do you live it? And that's what your job is to show them. So now, the Prophet ﷺ, there's two things I'd like to kind of touch on today. Number one is, the Prophet ﷺ had what we would describe as an impossible task. We are sometimes faced with tasks, challenges that are far smaller. Far smaller than what he faced, and we feel that they're insurmountable, and we give up. Look at the task that he was charged with. He was given divine guidance, revelation, the Quran, at a time when the world was plunged into total, absolute darkness and ignorance. And he was told, You have to bring all of humanity out of this darkness to light. That's your job. It's you versus the rest of the world. Such a difficult task. How did he approach this? How did he make some headway? What was his strategy to overcome such great odds? How did he overcome not just being opposed by people, but being opposed by his own people? Where his own uncle Abu Lahab slanders him, curses him, throws rocks at him, and and discredits him. How do you overcome that? That's the first question. And then the second question is eventually at the life of the Prophet at the end of the life of the Prophet, he finds himself now on the flip side. He finds himself in a position of power. He has the power now. How does he handle having power after having been the oppressed? And now that he has the upper hand, how does he conduct himself in that situation? And between these two experiences, sometimes you'll find yourself overwhelmed, you'll find yourself as the underdog, you'll find yourself in a difficult position facing a challenge, or you'll find yourself with the control, with the power in a scenario, in a situation. And between these two experiences, that's what we call life. Practically speaking, that's what life is. You're either at work at the mercy of... You know, a terrible boss. And at the same time, you are a supervisor where you are overseeing other employees. So how do you make sure that you don't channel that negative energy that you're developing by your boss coming down on you so hard, and channel it into now making the lives of your subordinates miserable? You maybe are dealing with some challenges at home. Maybe there's some difficulty with you know elderly parents. And there's a lot of difficulty, a lot of challenges, a lot of frustrations, I'm being very honest. Things become difficult. But how do you not channel that, develop that into negative energy and then challenge that into now yelling at your own children all the time and making their lives miserable? You in society, we right now, Islamophobia, we're dealing with everybody targeting us, talking negatively about us, speaking negatively about us. If the situation flips tomorrow, and Muslims rise to a position of prominence, or now the ire of the community is turned on some other segment of the community, how do we not join the fray and then pile on? These are very essential questions. And if you look at human history, this predicament has repeated itself. You will find that more often than not, the oppressed eventually became the oppressor. The same ones who fought the power, became the ones who went crazy with power. Our history, human history is full of this, and Muslim history is no exception to this. We've seen, we see this till today in our countries. So the Prophet wasallam dealt with both of these extreme, the most extreme manifestations of both of these dynamics. In Mecca they were being massacred, tortured, dragged through the streets, which is not happening to us here. And then later on at the end of his life, he was a position of total power. Where Abu Sufyan, the leader of Quraysh, he sees the Prophet ﷺ When at the conquest of Mecca, he looks at the army, he sees how everybody stands, listens to every word, everyone hangs on every sound, every letter that comes out of his mouth. When he says, stand up, they stand up. When he says, sit down, they sit down. When he says, jump, they say, how high? He sees this. And he tells Abbas, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, That your nephew has a great kingdom. Your nephew has a great kingdom. Your nephew is a great king. I've been in the courts of the emperors of Rome and Persia. I have yet to see devotion like this. Your nephew is a remarkable king. And he says, no, you're mistaken my friend. This is not kingship. This is not monarchy. بَالْهَذِهِ nubuwa. This is called prophethood. And he says, you're right. Because I've never seen anyone be this loyal to even kings. Where when he makes wudu, they go to catch the water that drips from his hands. This is something beyond that. This is love and devotion like I've never seen before. So the Prophet had that level of power. Greater power than anyone's ever known. But how did he not abuse that power? And the secret lies within Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something really remarkable very early on in the Qur'an. The second revelation to the Prophet the first one, of course we know, was اقرأ ربك It began revelation. Read in the name of your Lord. But the second revelation was a surah that we know today as surah number 68. It's called surah Qalam. And in it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the Prophet something really remarkable. He said, وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ وَإِنَّكَ لَعَلَى خُلُقٍ عَظِيمٍ That you are upon a very great, noble, remarkable character. Your character is greater than anything else. Greater than anything else that you'll possess is this character that you have been given by God. So never forget that. Never sacrifice that. Never lose that. Not when you're oppressed, nor when you are in a position of power. Don't ever lose your character. So how did the Prophet ﷺ not lose his character when he's in the situation of being oppressed? Where the Prophet ﷺ is stoned by the people of Ta'if. He went to Ta'if to just talk to them. Talk. I have a message, please listen. They said, not only do we not want to listen, but you get out of town. And not only should you get out of town, but we're going to throw rocks at you for three miles while you leave our town. Why? because he wanted to speak to them. But when they finally left, and the Prophet sat down, and he was bleeding from his body, his feet were bleeding so much, his sandals were soaked with his own blood, that when he sat down, and Jibreel came to him, and he said, pray, ask Allah, whatever you want to happen to these people, will happen today. And the Prophet said what? He said, oh Allah, I have no ill will towards them. I pray that God blesses them and grants them guidance. That's how you never forget your character, your moral fiber, even when you are in the most difficult of positions. And how do you not forget what you're, what you're supposed to be made of, even when you find yourself in a position of power? At the conquest of Makkah, Fatshu Makkah, the conquest of Makkah in the eighth year of Hijrah, 21 years after he received revelation, the Prophet entered Mecca as a victor. He rules Mecca now. The same people who tormented him for 20 years, he rules them. And one of the people, one of the individuals who was at the forefront of the torment and the opposition against the Prophet, his name was Safwan ibn Umayyah. Safwan. The Prophet, now how would you deal with somebody who made the object of their life? for 20 years to torment you, to torture you, to harass you, now that you are in power, you are in control, how would you deal with that person? You take them to task. But what did the Prophet Wasallam do? The Prophet وسلم, his best friend, Safwan's best friend, his name was Umayd. he became a Muslim. He told the Prophet that, Safwan, my friend, your enemy, he was so afraid of you coming here and winning the battle, That he fled, he ran away. But I'd like to bring him back. He's a good person at his core. I know he was misguided. What he did was wrong. But he's a good person at his core and I'd like to bring him back. Please, give me the opportunity to bring him back. Guarantee that he will not be touched, he will not be harmed. The Prophet ﷺ said, fine. Just forgiving an enemy like that, just fine. But then, Umaid, the friend, he says, but here's the problem, he won't believe me that you just forgave him, just like that. With just the movement of the hand, you just forgave him, just like that. He won't believe it. Nobody would believe it. I, couldn't, I, I don't know if I'd ever be capable of doing that. So he says, can you give me some proof and evidence? What would you say in that situation? He wants proof that I have forgiven him. I don't care. What I would say is, I don't care, that's not my problem, that's his problem. Let him come if he comes, let him not come if he doesn't come. I don't care. What does the Prophet do? The Prophet takes his head covering. You know the head covering, even in the culture of the Arabs, was considered like, you know like a thing of dignity. This is your dignity. This is like the most, like this is something that represents your respect. He takes it off of his head, the Prophet, ﷺ, and he hands it to his friend Umaid, and he says, Take this to him. The only way somebody could have my head covering in his hand is if I gave it to them. So if you take this, he'll know you're coming from me. And you tell him, I want him here. I forgive him. I'd like to see him. Why? An enemy? And when Umaid goes to him and he tells him, Come on, friend, come back, he's like, No, no, no. He's like, the Prophet forgave you. He goes, You're lying. How could he ever forgive me? And he shows him the hat, the head covering, the imama, the turban of the Prophet Wasallam. And he says, look, I bring it to you. And he comes back. And when he sits in front of the Prophet Wasallam, the Prophet Wasallam tells him, accept Islam. And he says, oh, I'm not sure. What? He says, I'd like two months to think about it. He has no leverage here. He's not in a position to negotiate. The Prophet says, you'd like two months to think about it? I would have said, you want two months to think about it? How about I give you two minutes? The Prophet said, you want two months to think about it? I'll give you four months, take your time. And in the meantime, you're welcome to live here. Be at home, be with your family. Where does that come from? Such compassion, such generosity. And the story goes on. There was a following battle after that called the Battle of Hunain. Safwan was a very wealthy man, and he was like what we would call a gun collector. He had a whole shed and a whole armory full of weapons, enough weapons to equip a hundred soldiers. The Prophet asked him, he said, We're going for battle. We need extra weapons. Would you mind us, would you mind loaning us your weapons? We need them. He says to the Prophet, Aghasban ya Muhammad. Hey Muhammad, he doesn't call him O oh, Prophet of God. Hey Muhammad, are you forcefully taking my stuff? A ghasman? You're trying to take my stuff? The Prophet says, "La, no, 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 no. He says, no, no, I just want to borrow it and we will fully return it to you and we will compensate you for any deficiencies in the equipment. He says, okay, take it. They take the equipment, when they come back from the battle, some is damaged, some is missing, some is broken. <clears throat> so the Prophet has them survey all the equipment, calls Safwan, and he says, we surveyed the equipment, here's all your equipment back, but these things were broken or these things were lost. And I'd like to compensate you for them, so please tell me how much that would be. Bill me, invoice me for the, for the shortcoming." Now think about generosity after generosity, humility. The Prophet is the key, he's the ruler. He could have said, here's your stuff, take it or leave it. Or in fact, if I was there, I would have said, oh yeah, remember your stuff, well it's my stuff now. That's what I'm gonna charge you in order to live in Makkah Because I run Makkah now, it's my town. The Prophet Wasallam says, here's your stuff, please let me know how much money I owe you. A king doesn't owe his subject money. And he's a prophet of God. He doesn't owe anyone anything. But this is the humility. And because of this humility, because of this kindness, because of this generosity, what does an enemy say? He says, La ya Rasulullah. doesn't call him Muhammad anymore. Now he calls him the messenger of God. He says, no messenger of God. بَالْأَرْغَبُ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ إِنَّ لِي فِي الْإِسْلَامِ رَغْبَةِ He says, I want to accept Islam. Because if this is Islam, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Character. Substance. Having character, moral fiber. Amazing character, amazing quality, substance in your being. That's Islam. That's the Qur'an. That's the life of the Prophet And again, I bring. I, I want to conclude here. We find ourselves often torn, real life is torn between these two extremes. Either you're under someone or you're over someone. And whether you have the underhand or you have the overhand. It is that character in the middle that will help you navigate all those situations. And ultimately that's how we'll be judged by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How we handled the situations, how we handled the hand that we were dealt, the cards that we were dealt. How did we navigate life? wa Hakim. innahu rahim. I hope you found the khutbah beneficial. Please share it with family and friends. I had some really exciting news I wanted to share with you all today. One of the most beneficial courses that I had the honor and privilege of teaching, meaningful prayer, is Alhamdulillah coming back. I'll be teaching it live in two locations. And for those who are not able to make it there, it's also available online. Go to MeaningfulPrayer.com to get all the information and sign up for the class. And let your family and friends know as well, let's all come together, improve the quality and khushu within our salah, and prepare for the month of Ramadan so that we can have the best Ramadan ever.